Hey, hi, how's it going? Welcome to the Fizzle Show! What's up, everybody? It is the Fizzle Show. You want to fizzle? You want to fazzle? You want to get frizzled? You want to? You know what the kids are getting into. They don't know what they're putting in their cups when they go to their house parties, but that's mm. what we're doing here. We're putting this into your ear holes through your... What are you listening to? On Apple EarPods? Or am I in your car right now? Where are we going? Where are you taking us? We're excited to be on the journey with you. I've got myself... Aiden and Corbett here on the line, and today we're going to talk about something that is important, like every week, to entrepreneurs, to what I call indie entrepreneurs or independent entrepreneurs, people who are earning a living doing something that they care about or who are working towards it. There's something amazing, there's something magical about (laughs) all the opportunities, all the possibilities that there are today for creating your own little cottage business, your own little cottage industry even, right? But in order to do that, you've got to know how to use the tools and you've got to know how the markets work. You've got to know how people work. You've got to watch how you work and and then like you not burn out too, right? There's so many elements to this, but it's not impossible. It's just, you know, one of those things that you got to get to work pretty hard to manage. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? We call it the fizzle show. Because most business ideas, most projects end up fizzling out, right? Not that, no bad, you know, not not that they don't teach you something. A lot of business ideas that I had that fizzled out, thank God, (laughs) if they would have gotten successful, I would have been hating my life in a lot of ways, like like about five months after it got successful, I'd be like, why am I doing this? I want to do something else, but now I'm trapped in these golden handcuffs, right? But that, that, that fizzling out is real. It's a real thing. And so what we exist for is to help people uh, help people keep the, the electricity going. Help people get the, keep the buzz going a little bit. Keep it going. Keep the energy up. Keep the motivation. Stay focused. And eventually get out of the world where it's like feast and famine. Out of the world where it's like, I feel like I, <laughs> I feel motivated. I, and then I don't feel very motivated. You know, where you're like ping-ponging between those two things. Uh, and instead get to a place where there is some... Um, Balance. There is some, there's, there's something you can rely on, something you can count on. And today's show, we are getting into one of the, it's so simple, but it is not something most people know how to do. We're going to talk about how you can start saying no effectively. All right. Because in business, Oftentimes an opportunity comes your way and you just, you almost don't even know how to think about it. You're just excited. Like, it's like, oh, there's this thing. Okay. I got to say yes to this thing. I got to do it. And then all my service workers out there know what I'm talking about. Or like, you know, client services people know what it's like when you say yes to something. And then within like a week or two weeks or a month or whatever, you start going like, oh no, what did I say yes to this for? Why did I do this? I'm too busy to do this. This isn't going to be the way that I thought it was going to be, right? Or whatever. So one of the powerful skills that we have as indie entrepreneurs is our ability to say no. Our ability to say no can keep us out of very dicey situations for us, right? Uh, So that's what we're talking about today. Aiden, you on the phone? Can you hear me? Can you feel me near you? How you doing? I feel you very, very close, sir. It's quite nice. <laughs> I love it. And Corbin Barr, say what's up, my friend. Yeah, it's it's all right. I'm I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, what what is this? What is this whole thing? Aiden, tell me, what is this whole thing about to you? To you, what is uh? Why is it important to know how to say no? Yeah, it's um this this whole trajectory for me. I I tend to be kind of like a, a yes guy, you know. I I like I like I like making people happy, you know. Uh, so saying no in my head typically doesn't equate with making people happy. Um, so historically, for me, it's been very very difficult to to say it. I don't really know how to, um, and that comes from a place of you know I I don't know the reasons why maybe I shouldn't be saying yes so much. So I need to learn how to say no more, um, and then also I think that there's some tips about you know, how to decline gracefully so you don't make enemies, uh, enemies, um, so you don't make enemies, uh, with everybody you say no to so that you could leave the door open for a potential yes if it makes sense later. So those kinds of things for me, um, are super important. Um, why I need to, to know how to say no, um, how to do it more and, um, and yeah, how to do it better. 
Chase, you have something I think that that like almost sums up this episode really well, or the the reasons why you need to say no. Um, remember the, your uh, your quality dilution? Yeah, do you, the thing where the every yes in your life brings down the quality of every other mm, yes, yes in your life. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's really kind of the heart of this, right? It's you need to be able to say no because. If you just say yes to everything, then you, you aren't just saying yes to things. You're also saying, eh, those other things I already said yes to aren't that important because the fact is you don't have that many hours and that much focus to get everything done with equal strength and, and with, you know, the focus that they deserve. Yeah. So hold on. Talk about that a little bit more, Corbett, because, because I think what we're, what I, what, what's becoming clear for me is juxtaposing this world in which I, I am kind of like riding from one opportunity to the next, comparing that or distinct, making a distinction between that world and the world where I have sort of, I have a commitment and a focus. Uh, I have something that I am, I don't know, that I'm trying, that I'm working towards making happen. I see entrepreneur, I see the difference in these entrepreneurs. Well, basically, I tend to be the guy in the in the first the first category where like something comes along and I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm so excited. Something like this is happening for me. And I'm just all the way in it without even thinking about it. And I juxtapose that with some of my other friends who are way more. uh, They just have a bigger vision for the thing they're trying to make. And it's really it's their vision. They're bringing they're, they're focused on committing to to do this thing. Yeah. And I think, um, there, there are kind of, there are at least a few different kinds of, of entrepreneurs when it comes to saying no versus saying yes. The first kind, which Aiden brought up is probably most typical and that's just being a people pleaser. And I wouldn't put you in that bucket exactly, Chase, but, uh, a lot of people just naturally want to, be helpful and, and, um, are likely to say yes because somebody asked them something and it, it feels just like a natural human response to someone asking for help is to say yes. And that sort of, um, mode of operating, I think serves you pretty well in the typical work environment when you're an employee or when you're in a corporate structure or something because you get recognized for being useful and helpful and and it's good for your career. It may not make you the CEO, but it will certainly help you get regular raises and so on. So being a people pleaser, good for that sort of environment, not so good for the entrepreneurial world because you just load up your plate with what everybody else wants and you're not being strategic about your own thing. The The second kind is... I think what you brought up, Chase, the person who really follows the opportunities or follows their curiosity. And we've talked about that a lot because it's a great strategy for um, uncovering things that might lead somewhere that you are motivated by. Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about this when you feel stuck in life instead of pulling your hair out, trying to make something happen. Instead, just follow your curiosity and see where it goes. And a lot of times the things that you're naturally interested in um, will be easier for you to start something or get something off the ground. And some people, even Steph, our own, our own Steph Crowder has, has used that successfully, I'd say over the past couple of years in building courage and clarity, she has just kind of waited for doors to open and then, and then has decided to see what's on the other side. I don't know if that's the best path to build something really big necessarily, but it certainly is a good path to get your foot in the door and um, kind of go with the flow and, and use those natural energies. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so, and I would almost add another one here because you've got the people pleaser, you've got the curiosity or follower, and then there's almost like the, the, like the, the focused visionary. Or yeah. something. It's someone who has this like, no, I'm making this thing. I'm driving this through. This is what I'm committed to. I'm going to ask other people to say yes to my thing, mm. you know, and I'm going to drive this thing through. Um, that, that's another kind, which is, I find that to be a lot more rare and a lot more interesting when I find it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective too, because I think a lot of what, um, keeps, you know, the, the no people good at saying no and the yes people bad at saying no. Is that uh, is is kind of the innate foresight, you know? And I think, uh, you know, just generally the visionary type, I think, has more of an innate foresight um, in how all the pieces fit, and understanding that, like, okay, there are a limited amount of pieces in this puzzle. If I start adding pieces, I can't, I can't make the puzzle. There's too many, you know. Um, so 
I know that I can only say yes to five things. These five things must be in line with my vision. I can plan them. And then it, and it becomes really easy to say no to those other things because it's really just like, no, it doesn't fit, you know? So I think that's really interesting, you know, that I think that's the opposite of, um, yeah, of that people pleasing because you know your goal and you know how all those pieces fit. When we started talking about why say no and, and this idea that, you know, the things that you say yes to bring down or dilute the quality of every other thing that you've already said yes to, I think those people with the, with the strategic vision, they're, they're, literally thinking like when someone asks them to do something or when an opportunity comes up, they're thinking, how does this fit in my bigger picture? And how does this fit with the things that I'm already committed to? They, they have a very keen sense of that, of how much time they have and, and uh, what they're working towards. Whereas those of us who are more likely to follow our curiosity or whatever aren't really concerned with the things that we're already doing. We're solely thinking about this new thing on its own merits. Right. Is this interesting? Does this sound fun? What are the opportunities? What are the possibilities? And the, the crazy thing is when you say yes to that, whether you, whether you think about it or not, you're probably not only bringing down the quality of every other yes you've already committed to, but you might even be tacitly saying no to certain things that are already in your life. You, you may not know which one yet, but you're going to have to pick one. And uh, I, I know from my own experience, I, in fact, just a couple of years ago, I can look at my own um, content output and uh, blogging and, and being able to produce videos and things like that. And I can see where a very big project that I said yes to has dramatically impacted that. And at the time, mm, yeah. I don't know that I recognized just how dramatically that would be impacted. And I, I'm still glad that I said yes to this particular project, but it had very real consequences that I wasn't totally uh, aware of at the time. Well, I love that. I love that. And so this concept that when you're saying yes to something, you're actually tacitly saying no to other things that are already in your life. I think this is, this is one of these really brutal, but pervasive rules of the jungle. Mm. I mean, I might be too much of a, of a, like, I don't know, a, a, a negative Nelly on this, but <laughs> this feels to me to be something that I've had to really come to terms with. Because I'm someone who has lots and lots of ideas, lots and lots of, lots and lots of, of energy up front for an idea, but then pushing that thing through to completion is, it, it, it tends to almost literally always be a drag, right? And I know a lot of people out there are nodding their heads like, yes, finishing the thing is way harder than starting the thing. And how many like, you know, half started projects do you have lying in, in <laughs> like, like some broken down cars in your front yard, right? Um, this concept, when you say yes to something, you're actually saying no to things that are already in your life. Potentially, that is a very, uh, it's like a wake up call, right? It's like an important thing to realize that that's likely happening. So it begs the question, what do you need to be saying yes to in your life? And, and this is some of the work that I'm doing a lot these days with coaching other people and stuff like that, where we just get into what are our commitments? What are the, and you, anybody can do this where you, it's like Stephen Covey, like just get any Stephen Covey book or something, you know, where it's like, what are the roles that you play? And, and for me, it's like, I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a dad and, uh, and I'm a creative. And like, those are three roles that I, I really like to feel the expression in all of those. I like to get the feedback from, from my family that like, <laughs> that I'm not leaving them high and dry. Cause they're the ones who, te who tend to pay for whatever the thing is I'm saying yes to, mm -hmm. right? Like next week, I'm going to New York to work with this, uh, this killer bag manufacturer and I'm going to be leaving my wife with the, with the kids and, they're all cool with that because I, I I've learned to not say yes until I've gotten the clear clarity from from her on that. But what I want to jump into now is this in lieu of this I, this almost algebra of whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to other things that are already in your life, possibly, and that that will that will <laughs> you will begin to operate at a deficit at some <laughs> point. We, you know, if you haven't experienced that yet, you're going to like it's just what it's like doing 
doing your own thing as an entrepreneur. It might be the only way uh, to learn too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. Like you're, you'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> we all do. It's like it's like learning learning to breathe outside the amniotic fluid. It's just like yeah, it takes a, it takes a second. <laughs> you got to readjust. Yeah, and you and you cry a little bit, but you got it <laughs> exactly. But uh, one of the things that I would love, Aiden, Aiden, talk a little bit about this concept of because this is something that's definitely meant meant something to me. Where um, oftentimes I say yes. Uh, partly from that, or in large part from that people pleasing kind of thing. Uh, there's also this other thing where it's like, where I'm hoping that this thing works out for me. Um, it's not just pleasing them. It's also like looking for an opportunity, looking for a leg up or to, to get into a, get my foot into a new door. But, uh, there's this reality that I've experienced in my own work where I tend to, uh, value my own time less than other people's time. Like I, I say yes to things because I, I figure they're, you know, they're the big, they're the more dominant one here. They're the, they're the big fish. I'm the little fish. I'm going to try to swim up next to this, this shark and just kind of like eat the grime off of its scales or something like that. Right. Like one of those little feeder fishes or something. Um, and, and over time, it's taken me a long time to learn that operating like that is fine. It's just going to keep me being a feeder fish. Like even if even if I'm way bigger than that, it's just going to keep me in that mindset. And so much of entrepreneurship for me has been le- learning that that sort of self confidence to go like, wait, I'm a big, I'm 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 worthwhile to partner with. This is what we were getting into yep, in absolutely. our last episode. But talk about talk about this this thing about how because I think a lot of people are doing this, man. They're not valuing their time uh, as highly as they value other people's times. It goes deep. This is like. This is really, I think, the kernel um, that even you know springs forth the sapling of people pleasingness and and fear oh of rejection. Um, but that whole idea of respect, you know, being on a level playing field, um, you know, and I think there is there are times when you know you're starting out. Maybe your time isn't as valuable as that big client that you've been working for, you know, or that you've been trying to to kind of hook. Um, and what I think is really interesting is, you know. It goes back to kind of what Corbett was saying in the corporate environment. This is very true in the client services world where um, white glove concierge service is very, very valuable. Um, so when you're Johnny on the spot, that's what gets you the raise. That's what wins you the bid. That's what, you know, sustains the retainer, you know, or maybe retains the retainer. I understand mm. the, <laughs> the word now. Um, but yeah, so so with that. With that dynamic, respecting other people's time and sacrificing your own time can be strategic. The interesting thing that I've noticed happens with me is that I my business's evolution has been faster than my psychology. You know, so I have gotten to a place where, from all outward perspectives, I'm a medium fish, right? But I still have that kernel of it's a less than thing. It's a self-esteem thing. You know, I am still uh, not as good as you. Um, even though, you know, the outward perspective, outward circumstances have changed, but it hasn't actually translated and sunk in yet. So I'm still often playing the, you know, the, the role of the little fish in relationships where the playing field is even, uh, or when, you know, it's, it's uh, skewed the other way around. So um, it's a really interesting thing for me to kind of be aware of in myself. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's pretty normal. Um, and I think, like I said, there are. I'm not sure if you can begin a successful kind of at least service related um, engagement and, and do deal with relationships that way without being, uh, a, you know, being of service, right? And without getting into the the symbolism too much. But you know, we don't want to be scraping. But being of service means that you are serving and you are somewhat of a servant. And um, and you do need to prioritize the needs of others to you know ex- to to be able to get what they're willing to pay you. Um, just be aware when the tides are shifting or when the evolution is happening in one area. It's a good idea to make sure it's consistent with you know the other guiding beliefs that are kind of bubbling in your guts. So <laughs> that's kind of uh, that's what I've noticed in myself, and I'm sure I'm not alone there. <laughs> 
Okay, hold on. I want I want to clarify some language there because I'll actually I'll actually stop. I'll actually like kind of confront you on that because as you're talking, one of the things you said was it's like a self esteem totally. thing, and I think that's exactly it. I think you're bang on. And so and so the actual to me the medicine for when you value other people's time more than yours, maybe that's just where you need to start. Who knows? We all start where we start, but eventually. My desire for you is, is, and what I'm standing in and what I'm hoping that I can bring you out into is like, is this, not just you, I'm talking about like, like everybody out there doing the, doing the stuff. Cause I see you, Aiden, as someone who has actually learned something else besides that. And I would juxtapose or make a distinction between these two things. The difference between, um, being of service and offering a mm, service. Interesting. Right. And, and the, the distinction between those, I mean, that might not be the best language for it, but I'll sit with it for right now because offering a service means this is what I do. It's worth this much money to you, right? And this is what my commitment, my guarantee, my agreement to, with you is, right? And whereas being of service is a little bit like, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a big time Ram Dass listener and the, the whole thing about service is like it's your whole life. Eventually, you know, you go take all the drugs, go do all the meditation, go have sex with all the people, go experience everything about this life you're gonna eventually get to a point where it's like the only thing that ends up pumping me up and feeling very good is when i get to be of service to other people totally and that to me is like a way of life it's like a mindset right and so i think people who who mix entrepreneurship with that can like like i have in my past uh is it's just it's a kind of a messy thing one of the things i love so much about business is it's like no you're actually more valuable to me when you have very very clear boundaries and very very a clear spine like you're in alignment with yourself and what you are offering and so in my world of being a like a uh i remember being a web designer and i remember i remember just convincing corbett that i'm like pretty much the best web designer that he could be he'll be able to find <laughs> like back in the day <laughs> when he was doing think traffic and i was just like kind of i, I was cocky about it in some ways but i don't think that was, corbett did it come off as cocky? Did you did you feel convinced by uh, by me in that sense? I, <clears throat> no, I, I like uh, I like confidence. I, I like confidence from from people that I'm going to work for. So, um, I mean, you want to have a sense that they're telling the truth. But I'd seen a little bit of what you had done, and um, while I didn't necessarily believe that you were the best designer in the world, I believe that you were a great designer and that you were going to be the best person that I was going to work with. Yeah. And so you mentioned something there. I think that again, that's really important. This is a great addition to the story. You said telling the truth. And I think this is, this is really the hard thing for an entrepreneur is to, is to, the real work is, I just saw like a, a Mark Twain quote that was like, no biography is, is actually the story of a man. It's like the, the story of the story about mm -hmm. the man. Mm -hmm. But the man is the work. The, the, the woman, the person is, is like the work of their, of their life. It's the, it's the product of, of their work. And, and there's something really that resounds very true to me about that, that like, I can, uh, I, I can, Step into confidence and tell the truth confidently about what my, what my service is I'm offering to you, right? And what our agreement is and what I'm committed to in this relationship. And that to me, boom, that's why I love business so much is because it's actually a place where it's all about the agreement and it's a place where you should not trust each other. My friend Dan, it was this like amazing coach. This is like incredible. He's been coaching since before I was born. He had a company called the coaching company in 1982, which is the year I was born. And he had to change the name because everybody thought it was just for pro athletes. Like it was like the very beginning <laughs> of, of what became executive coaching transformation and stuff like that. And he tells a story where before that he was, he like had one of like five, uh, shipping companies in in america like like I, I don't know one of 50 in the world or something i don't know what it was but everybody was like uh like they would all get together and they would have these conferences or whatever and he would work with the greeks but nobody else would work with the greeks they're like you can't trust the greeks they're they're, they're trying to get the upper hand they're trying to to get like they're, they're always going to try to scheme you and that's why dan, dan was like i know that's why i trust them <laughs> like i know exactly what to expect from them i know exactly what to expect from them right? That, that to me is business. 
business is going into something going knowing and it's a, it's like a it's like a game it's like a gym or a dojo for like being able to know what you offer and to be able to be like a bit of a samurai in that sense that like nobody can take you out and if they do that's on you <laughs> it's not on them it's actually on you you got taken out you know learn you learned something you you, you won't yeah, do it 100%. again you won't make that mistake again right and so i love this distinction between um offering a service and being of service, uh, I think that this is the, just like Aiden said. This is there's there's a lot of self esteem involved here, and the self esteem. I don't know how much you esteem yourself. This other words we've said of confidence, and then also just telling the truth. So when you're saying yes to things in your life that you should be saying no to, there's just a chance here that uh, you don't really know exactly what you should be standing confidently about. Right. And I think that is like, that's the big work of what to say yes to and what to say no to. And if you do, if you know, if you're a brand new web designer, you don't really feel very confident. Well, then don't stand on, I'm the best web designer you're going to find yet. Stand on right. something that you know you can stand on. Stand on like, I'm going to be cheaper than everyone else and I'm going to work twice as hard because I need to build my portfolio. That's just where I'm at in life. Right. Uh, and, and then if the company says, yes, they know you're going to be a little bit of a volatile situation for them, but there's a chance <laughs> it works out really well. Totally. I think, you know, when you're, when people are listening to this, they're all going to be in different situations. And, and for us, a lot of times, if we've been at business for a while, when we think about saying no, we're thinking about saying no to other people who are, um, looking for our time in business. They're looking for us to work on a project with or for them in some way. When you're starting out, however, you probably don't have a whole lot of other people asking you for things related to business. And if you do, uh, if people are asking you for things or asking, you know, to, to work with you or something, it, it's probably not a bad thing to say yes in the beginning, right? Because you're, you're feeling things out. You're taking on opportunities. Um, you're trying to see where your curiosity and other things lead, but that doesn't mean at that stage that you don't have other things that you might be saying yes to that will impact your ability to pursue your business. And those are things from your life. You know, people are asking you for things at work, uh, in your family life, in your community life, your family. There are all kinds of people asking for your time. And when you say yes to that, it's not like there are these like discrete boxes that your life and your work and your business operate within. They all kind of bleed into one another. So by saying yes to, uh, playing in that, you know, uh, indoor soccer league, you are saying no to time that you might have otherwise used on your business. You might even be saying no to sleep or something. You know, it could be that you're just saying no to listening to more podcasts and watching more Netflix, which is probably fine. But at some point <laughs> you say yes enough and then it starts to encroach on other time that's more important. So I just wanted to make that, that point clear. And also, um, sometimes saying no isn't to other people, but saying no happens to your own ideas when you're just starting out you have a million different things running around in your head and this is the most likely scenario yeah. at least for somebody like me you want to be trying all of these different things and a lot of us in the beginning do try a lot of different things i remember uh starting like six different blogs and 15 different websites over the course of like three years and you know eventually you find something that works but you, you have to ask yourself if like you had just focused on two of those things, would one of them have been uh, successful quicker? And so not just, you know, look towards saying no to other people, uh, to uh, other commitments in life, but also to these own, your own ideas that are swirling around your head, because those are going to take just as much time as anything else. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that. Okay. So let's transition into some, some rich tips. Let's talk. Let's, let's give the people some tips on, on how to say no gracefully. And then also before that, just like maybe some, some things to think about to, to, to determine if you should say no or yes to this particular thing that's coming your way. But before we do, we've got a sponsor for today's episode, Rover. Corbett, tell these people what they need to know about this the, this coolest <laughs> potential. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just want to work with dogs for a living. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. In fact, we're watching our buddy Andy's dog right now named Oscar, 
and uh, he's not paying us for it because they sometimes watch our dog, which is a great little reciprocal relationship, but not everybody has that. But uh, just having Oscar over for the past few days is so fun because he and our dog Frida are like best buds and they wake up in the morning and start wrestling right away. And it's just fun. It's like an enjoyable thing and takes all the stress away in the morning. So Rover.com is the largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers in North America. They serve pet parents across the U.S., Canada, and even Europe, and Rover connects dog owners with trusted pet care whenever they need it. And we're telling you guys about this because Rover also lets pet sitters create their own schedule. You can set your own rates and choose which services you'd like to offer. So you can literally earn money by watching pets around your own schedule. And if you're an entrepreneur, this could be just the kind of side income you need while you're getting your business off the ground. Pet sitters on Rover can earn up to $1,000 a month or more. So if you're interested in becoming a sitter, you can check out rover.com slash fizzle to get started. You'll be snuggling dogs in no time. You can become a sitter by visiting rover.com slash fizzle. And from there, you can create your profile and get started watching dogs. Man, that is just... We're living in the future, you guys. This is amazing. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about some rich tips on how to say no gracefully. But before we do, I just want to like Corbett. Do you have any any? Because I, I think there's a lot of like say there's someone out there who who has like an opportunity they're thinking of or that, that that's like on their mind or maybe a couple. Um, certainly a lot, a lot of us entrepreneurs, like we have ideas that, that are in our notebooks that we're like, when are we going to pull the trigger on that? And you mentioned Corbett having several blogs going at one time, trying to make them all successful. There's this question about like, should we say yes or should we say no? And what should we say yes to? And what should we say no to? Yeah. I want to get into how to say no to others here in just a second, but I don't know. Is there any insight you have from your own life about what to say yes or no to? Yeah. I I mean, I think, uh, this comes with maturity and learning and I, and if you're out there listening to this and you're like, Oh my God, this you're talking to me because I'm the kind of person that says yes to everything. And I always get myself in trouble. I think that's a natural part of the evolution. You kind of have to feel a little of the pain before you recognize that this is a real issue. Mm. And then, you know, you might start saying no to some stuff, but you're wondering like, well, should I say no to this or should I say yes to this? And which thing like FOMO? Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get FOMO. Um, and you just, you just worry that you're saying no to the wrong things. And this is where I think it becomes really important. Like most things in business to have a framework or a method for saying no. Uh, the framework being a, a way to help you make those decisions. We all have to make tons of decisions within our business. And this saying no to things uh, applies not just within your business, but to your life in general. And so you need to have a framework for how do you choose which things to say yes and no to. And I think this will uh, differ from person to person. Personally, there are a couple of things. One is I simply really look at what's on my plate and the things that I've already said yes to. And I think this is an important part of this framework or this method for deciding what to say yes and no to is just to have a good, honest look at your calendar and your commitments and whether or not you can say yes or no. I think we all do this from time to time. Uh, if we're saying yes or no to social commitments, right? When somebody says, Hey, you guys want to do dinner next Thursday? You look at your calendar and maybe you're open on that day, but you recognize that, Oh, we've got this thing on Wednesday and then it's going to be a long weekend. Cause so you might say no just because you know that in that moment you're going to feel stressed or. Uh, too busy, or you might even have to back out. So you look at what's on your plate and you do the same thing in your business. You say, well, I've got this deadline coming up and then it's the holidays and so on. So I probably shouldn't say yes to this just based on my schedule. So that's one key step. And I think all of us should do that. But then there are other aspects to, to add to your framework. And I guess the question would be for each of you, um, for Aiden and, and Chase, like what else is in your framework? You may not have written this down, but there's probably something that goes through your mind. For me and Chase, I know you've seen this before. Um, but I focus on, uh, what energizes me versus what drains me a lot. You mm-hmm. know, you've, you've seen me say no to speaking gigs and, uh, and travel related stuff a decent amount just because I know that 
in order to go participate in an event and, and to travel there and to prep a talk and so on, even though I'm only going to be gone for 48 hours, really it's going to occupy like two weeks solid of my time plus a couple of days on the back end in recovery. So it's a much bigger commitment than it seems because it drains me. Now, if that was the kind of thing that was easy and energizes me, then I might say yes. So that's kind of my framework first to look at my calendar, what I've already said yes to, and then to think about whether that where whether or not this thing would drain or energize me. Okay, I love this because you know what? I I I wasn't even thinking about this before, but on my ca- on my computer right now open up in the background is a is a you know, numbers or ex- excel sheet where I did a weighted average decision matrix recently. And Corbett, I still think <laughs> in inside of Fizzle you need to just do like a quick like 20 minute course on how to do a weighted average decision matrix to help people figure out exactly what to work on right now because it's so useful. And just to walk you through this really quick, on the left side are all my tasks, like all the possible tasks, right? One of them is making consistent videos every week for YouTube, right? That's just one of the things I could do. Another thing I could do is start up a new series in that YouTube uh, channel of just like like short videos on my favorite things. Another thing I could do is make these calls to invite some of my friends to this event I'm putting on in LA in the end of January. Another thing I could do, so I'm just making a list of all the things I could do right this that came like one night i just opened up a text file on my phone while we were watching a movie and i just started making a list of all the crap that's been in my head right all the stuff that's been like you know that i've been thinking about updating pages on the website doing this that and the other i just started making that list right then everything from that list goes into um into the left column of the spreadsheet then the next column to the right of that is actually some notes on it i just want to get a little more out on on paper about what i would need to do to actually do this so that my head is really understanding you know how big is this task how much work is this going to be right then I have a bunch of columns that I just created. I just created these columns and then I give myself, give my, uh, my, give each one of these tasks a score, you know, zero to five, right? Zero, like not true at all. Five, very true about this task. And I have things like, um, it has a deadline, right? So things that have a deadline, like that is like, that's, that's an important qualifier. Things that can go like that, that don't have to be done at a certain time. Like then they don't have to be done at a certain time. Um, time estimation, like how much time is this going to take? Is this going to take me a five in time or a one in time? Right. Uh, then I get into things that matter a lot to me, right? This is going to be sort of cheesy, but it does help me think about it. Right. So does this contribute to global transformation? That's mm-hmm. just like my shorthand for like, is this a meaningful thing? Could this in some way be contributing to someone somewhere's experience of themselves in life, right? And so I give it a, I give it a rating there. I give each one of these things a rating there. Does it contribute to meaningful personal growth for me? Like, is this something that I get to do that, that I like doing or that like I get to learn something here that, that could be meaningful for me, right? Does it contribute to the growth of my audience? Because I'm one of the things in my business is having an audience and growing an audience is one of those things. And anyways, I got about five other, or I guess there's like 10 total columns that I just started creating and just making up. And then I rated each one of these and then I tally up the results. And then I just sort that stuff by like whatever one has the highest score. Let's just start there. Right. right? And yep. then, then you just start going through it. So what I did there is I outsourced all the decision making. Right. I had to make all these little decisions about each one of these tasks. Does it have a deadline? How much time is it going to take? Does it contribute to global transformation? Does it contribute to my own meaningful sort of growth in life? Right. All sorts of little decisions that I make and I put into a cell on a spreadsheet. But then the spreadsheet does my thinking for me. Now, this is like really powerful if you can find a way how to like really make it be a, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a uh, representation of how you really think and feel. Right. If you have a bunch of things in those columns that like you don't care about, (laughs) but you just think you're supposed to care about, then it's just going to tell you things that I don't know that that the spreadsheet thinks you should do. Not you. Right. You've got to tell the spreadsheet how to work. Right. But reason why I bring this up is because due to the fact that I've done this and I got this through now, there's an enormous amount of clarity for me about what to say yes to and what to say no to. And guess what happens? Anytime something else, some other opportunity comes in, it either is a part of one of these things that's on my list already, or it's not going to get 
taken care of. It's not going to get a yes from me because there's way more tasks in that than I have uh, enough time to do before the end of the year, for example, right? Where, where at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll, I'll make another one of these or something, or I'll update and change this thing around. But I, I just bring that up because I've done this through, you know, a handful of times in my life and I'm always surprised by how energizing it is to, to get this level of clarity about all the crap that's swirling around in our heads. And it's just, it helps you decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll leave it there. Anything else to add on that before we get into some tips on how to say no gracefully to people? Yeah, if I can, if I can chime in, I, I really resonate with, you know, those kinds of emotion removing decision matrices, matrices, um, yeah. because I think it's so important. You know, we've talked a lot about, yeah, man, the heavy psychology that is motivating all of the yesing, right? And in turn, all of the pain. Um, and, you know, I, I get excited about yeses and, um, I do need a method to, uh, to determine what to say yes to and what to say no to. And I think those kinds of things are super, super um, vital. I'm going to see if, if we, yeah, I think it's, it's valuable to whip one of those little things up, a little exercise. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing you got me thinking about, Chase, is, and Corbett, you said this kind of, our life isn't in perfect boxes, right? There aren't personal life, yeses and nos, business life, yeses and nos, hobbies, yeses and nos, things like that. It, it would be very, very convenient if, if we could do that. And I'm sure there are some people that have managed to divide their life up that way. I'm not one of those people that thrives when my life is that compartmentalized. But um, this reminds me of this weird dream. And I'll, I'll tell you like this weird dream that my buddy had once that was like, I remember it six years later. Um, and then, then we can go into the rich tips. But um, it's all about... Um, defending the the inspiration time, defending the time for curiosity, right? And in this dream, my buddy was like moving apartments or something, right? And he had some movers helping him. And one of these movers was like this really old sage dude. And uh, they're packing up boxes and they're putting them in the truck. And my buddy is like stuffing every box to the brim with like dictionaries and books. And you know what it's like when you put too many books in a box like these you're making the best use yeah. of your space, maybe, but those boxes oh, are heavy, right? You need very small boxes yeah. for books. <laughs> very small boxes for books. Mm. However, so that's one approach. Old Sage, his approach was use the same size box, but only put a couple things in it. So my buddy realizes that he's moving boxes. Some of them are, are heavy. Some of them are full. Some of them are like half full. Some of them are completely empty. And he, he asks... The guy, like, why, you know, I'm paying you for this job here. Why are you, why are you not being 100% super efficient? And, um, he doesn't answer for a while. And over time, he gets more and more frustrated because he, the inefficiency is growing and growing. And, uh, he asks again. And the guy simply says, sometimes empty space is just as important as full space. So. <laughs> If we, <laughs> I, I really, I, I was waiting for you to say it in some like immigrant accent or something and just like personify the story for us. Peoples, peoples are peoples. Hey, listen, this is, that's Chase's job. If that's Chase's story, Chase can bring to you his enlightened Indian yogi. I forget his name, but uh, that would have been a great, that would have been a great voice for this. However, I'm, I'm new to, to this podcast. Anymore. Not allowed to do that I'm not, anymore. Right. I'm not sure where the line is. Um, however, yeah, so. So stitching it back to what we're talking about, um, if I at least, because if I get perfect at saying no, um, and I get perfect at figuring out exactly what to say yes to, I still want empty space for the curiosity to, uh, to leak in, you know, um, because I always want to make sure that there is time to experiment with the new ideas. Yes. Um, and, uh, and usually that requires me, um, and this, this is my first rich tip is to somehow begin the practice of switching your default from yes to no. Like if you're and not even maybe, but no. Your default now is no and then maybe it's a yes later, maybe it's a maybe later, but it starts out as a no. If you can get there, then you start creating that block of empty boxes. Um, and then you can start figuring out exactly what to say yes to and then you can like Chase was saying start figuring out what is my truth? What is my super skill? What is the the thing that lights me up that I am of service um, when I'm doing the things that that what did you call global transformation? Was that the term? Hmm. Yeah, that's one of them. And again, that's cheesy. That use your use your own. You might want to just like have better abs. I don't know. But for me, yeah, that's I mean, just like when I think about your making jam. these videos, does it 
Yeah, it's it's like okay, that 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 feels worth it to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's you ha- I think my my experience showed that I had to I had to knock out a bunch of space to even begin to explore, you know, where is my curiosity? What can I do? Because everything was so full that I had to start there. I couldn't find the truth inside of a busy schedule. Um, and, and have those revelations as to what I really, really wanted to do and what things I needed to say yes to in, in, until I really triaged and just said no a bunch, had a big block of empty space and let those things kind of manifest and reveal themselves to me. Yeah, I love that. I know, I know, Chase, that, yeah. that that's one of those things that you've always um, you know felt was important to you, having that free time just to let your mind wander and uh, to be able to remember what's important to you because when you're if you go back to back to back to back on projects it's just impossible to feel like you're uh doing anything meaningful for yourself you're just I don't even know who I am. Yeah, exactly. You're just working on tasks and so I I uh that's something I I learned from you Chase uh you know that that's important at one time but I still tend to forget it now and then i think that's just my default is to try to be busy on tasks all the time but uh i really do love having some time that's blocked just for uh bigger picture thinking creative thinking all that kind of stuff empty boxes yeah, yeah. it's it's good stuff it's really good stuff i heard someone just to make the distinction is that there's time for humans doing and then there's time for human being and <laughs> if you'd spend like for for me it's like my Tuesday mornings, I, I go out and take my little, I just go out and sit under, under some tree and just sit and think for a while and blow some smoke. And, and I love it. That's just like, like, I love getting up early and going, doing that and giving myself like two to three hours of just, of just empty space. And it's just me and my, you know, I, I meditate and, and whatever, but a lot of times it's just thinking about what comes up and I'm watching what I'm thinking about and not necessarily trying to stop it. Just noticing that like, you're thinking an awful lot about this or the emotion that goes along with that is actually anxiety or it's excitement or anxiety and excitement or it's worry or dread or what, you know, and, and oftentimes what comes out of that is conversations that I need to have. And those conversations end up really freeing up some mental bandwidth if I, if I'm courageous enough to have them. So the, the irony here is, is that spending that time away helps me come up with, with potentially feeling sort of the, the invitation to do something right. That I would never put on a to-do list that I would never have thought like, Oh, I should do that. Then that'll, then I'll really, I should have to talk talk with my dad about that because then I'll be making money on the internet. (laughs) That's not, that's not, that's not the right math, but yet it, yet it's, it's surprising how much of your, how connected you are by all these like by all how connected you are to 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 everything in your life like all of all of this all of these relationships and all of this history all these stories and and bringing a little bit of of fresh air into one part of that can rejuvenate the entire system mm. one major part of that system is your business right and so that's to me when i think of coaching entrepreneurs and helping people like like we've been doing for forever here in fizzle one of the hard things is like the best way to make you an entrepreneur is to make you a a, a, a total human to make you, you know, like that old Thurgood, I can't forget who, can't remember who said it, but the, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is people who have come alive, right? It's right. that kind of thing. And that is, there's like, the short answer for me on what to say no to and how to do it is to come alive. It'll be very clear. It'll be extremely clear what is in alignment with your vision and what isn't. Because if, I, if I'm honest, I would love for more of our entrepreneurs to be that third type, that visionary, committed visionary type. Because life just gets different there. Like my friend Sean Blanc is like that in a very humane way, in a very, uh, he, he has a course called like the focus course. And he just helps people get focus in their life. And he runs a handful of businesses and he's just like kind of like a, a straight up dude. Like he's, he, he, he balances things well and, and he has vision for the next year. And then he comes up with a plan and he just executes on that stuff, you know? Uh, I've always admired that because I'm a little more like, let's build a roller coaster, see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then we'll figure out what's next after that. But we're not really thinking about <laughs> it not working because we got to make it work. It's going to be 
be fun, right? Let's get our friends together. Let's throw a party. I want to be drunk. What are you guys doing? <laughs> it's, like, it's like nonstop. A lot of empty boxes um, for Chase. Okay. So, <laughs> so specific tips on, uh, for the, like in closing here, just for people who, who maybe they have to say no to someone. They're, throughout this conversation, they've been thinking about something. They finally got convinced. All right, I need to say no. But now they're worried about what I call risking the relationship or what I've heard called risking the relationship or, or breaking rapport or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, yeah, you actually have to say, because up to now that, that person, those email exchanges, that those phone calls have all been like, oh, this could be interesting. Tell me more. What's going on? Like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And now you got to say no. Now, now you're at like what could have been a partnership, what could have been a this, that, and the other. You're going like, you know what? I got to say no. And I'll start with my first tip here is actually um, the, well, everything we've all been talking about, like knowing what you already are committed to, what Corbett said, seeing what, what is already on your plate. And uh, my, my quick, typically when I look at whatever's on my plate, one of the big items on there is my family. And so I end up blaming a lot of things on my family, sort of tongue in cheek. But just, but just going like, actually, you know what? I, that's gonna, that's just gonna take too much time. I'm, I've got this, this thing I'm doing this month with my son. I've got um, these, these, like, you know, my wife and I have date night every month. We're trying that out, and so I'm like focused on that, right? I find that people, when they see you committing to your relationships that are closest to you, they oftentimes are, are. Um, I mean, I'm not lying when I say those things. You know, I'm not just doing that to get the effect. So one trick here is have projects for your spouse, for your kids or, or your dog or whatever it is, because people respect that. And if they don't, like, you don't want to be in business with that person. So that's one tip totally. for me is blame everything on your family. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good one. And that, that's like, I mean, everybody can sympathize with that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, if you have to, if you have to delegate and create a reason um, just so you're not lying, do it, you know. Uh, but also, you probably don't have to try too hard to actually have a life, and people understand that you have a life. So, um, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think it's really good, and I think yeah, um, explaining kind of very concisely. So, just kind of, uh, I'm going to say fishtailing now out of that. Fishtailing. Fishtailing. more like a fishtail anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, com- communicating that stuff um, in a in a concise way. That doesn't seem too apologetic. That doesn't seem too blaming, um, but just seems very direct. Like, listen, I got a family. Um, here is why my priorities start there, and you come after that. And that's taking my time. So, sorry. You know, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, maybe later. You know. Yeah, I love that. Uh, another one I have here is um, just a trick that I've used before. Is I put it back on them. Okay, so really, when someone's coming at me, this is really related to our partnership conversation we had in the previous episode, which I thought was really great. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one, go back to fizzleshow.co slash 289, or 288, rather. rather um, uh, two, 298, yeah, sorry. Uh, so putting it back on them is when I go into sort of curiosity or inquiry mode. Where I'm just like, oh, interesting. What, what are you hoping to get out of this? What is the result you want to get from this? Right. It's almost like coaching mode where I'm just like, get like, oh, that's such an interesting idea that you want to do. Do you know what I mean? That like, like, like just stepping, I, I think of it as like stepping into that space. And again, really related to that partnership conversation because everything I'm going to say no to, uh, unless it's a, it's, I mean, I guess the first thing we should probably say is the things that are just a no outright. Just a bam, just a quick no, like just get it out out in the air. Like I get inquiries from a quick, lot of bad fast. companies, a lot of products who who are emailing me. I'll look at their website, I'll look at the product, and I'm like, no, that looks like a China piece of crap. Like I just I'm not interested in spreading the love towards things that don't have uh, a, a real a real. Uh, like designer at the heart of it, a real, uh, uh, maybe that's, maybe that's rude, but like, I've got a very particular thing that I'm doing here on the channel and I, I can't, I got to say no to that. Right. So just quick and easy and dirty and just get it done because like it, 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 they're going to be fine. They're big boys and girls. They're going to be fine. That's the first thing. The the second thing is like, you know, knowing what you're committed to and blaming everything on your family. All right. And then number three (laughs) is, uh, is this idea of putting it back on them and, and this is where, like, you don't, maybe you don't know if it's a no for sure, but in saying, in understanding a little more of what they are thinking of doing, you're setting yourself up for a lot of things here. For example, 
and this is a little bit of a golden handcuff situation. If you do really good in the sort of curiosity and inquiry phase of, uh, or discovery phase of the project, like oftentimes I find that companies or, or, or people out there who want to work with me, just because of the nature of my involvement in the kinds of questions I ask, I could charge a lot more than other people now because there, right. there, there's something about me they want to work with. Right now, like I said, that can be a that can that can be a double edged sword because now you know you've got them and you've, your ego's getting stroked a bit and and so you're 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 going to be able to charge more and and you know hey man money's money like I like I like making money I like being valuable to people but there's really nothing like when I make good money being being like goodly valuable to someone or something but it's <laughs> yeah. like there's that synergistic effect that's that's the goal so this curiosity mode or this inquiry or putting it back on them and kind of, uh, and, and hearing from their, their own perspective, what they want to get out of it. Right. Just that all that does is puts all, like we were talking about the partnership thing. It puts the risk back on them. This is something they're doing. They're asking for you, your help in or something like that. Right. Um, and I think about it as kind of stepping into that place between, uh, there's my company, there's their company, and then there's the space between. And we each kind of like step into that space to, to be curious about what I, I like for me, if I'm being asked to help on something, that's where I get curious about like, well, what are you hoping for? What is your experience with this? How likely is this to work out? Like what, what do you want out of this? That I find is, is really clarifying for me. And it helps me to say no in, in the best possible way, which is like, man, this sounds like a really interesting project. And as I look at what's on my calendar right now, you know, I've got these goals and I've got these projects that I'm pushing through. I don't think I can serve you well, right? I don't think I could do that right now. If you wanted to push this back into, you know, third quarter of 2019, I could probably slate out, uh, like some serious interaction for us then, but I think you need to be working on this now. It sounds like you're like hungry to get this going. Don't you? And then like the person's like, yeah, it's really, it's like, okay, well, I don't think I can help you out on this one. Like that was a way of saying no, extremely gracefully that, that I didn't burn any bridges They They might be more likely to reach out to me in the future. That's totally possible. I love that. Truly step it. There's you truly step into the curiosity for yourself uh, that's really a po- a possibility for all, for it. You don't have to be expert. At, it's like not learning uh, how to say no in this specific way. It's really going to be like, oh, interesting. What are you hoping to get out of this? What's this, that, and the other? Because I'm always curious about what people are trying to do personally. And so maybe the best way to say no is get really curious about what people are trying to do. Give them, you know, the benefit of of the doubt, but then have a absolutely rigorous and 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 strong vertical spine for yourself. Yeah. Love, love the strong spines, strong spines, strong mm-hmm. spines. No. And I really like that script. Uh, I, I chase, you kind of laid out a good thing that, uh, you know, people just even going back two minutes and writing down and kind of customizing it for their own situation is really good. Cause it has a couple of key components that I just wanted to kind of pull out. One was that, um, yeah, you are, you are punting. So this is a great example of saying no to something that you actually would like to do that is inside of your like zone of genius, something that you're really skilled at, fits your passions, but you simply don't have the time. Um, it is This is a great strategy of saying no that leaves the door open for your approaching them later, right? Um, so that's one component. Um, the, the flattery of the idea, right? It's like, this is super good, communicating that this is something you guys do share passion-wise uh, or topic-wise um, that makes people feel real good. And then third is that, um, hey, we could totally pick this up later if, like, you know, I'm booked out for the next, like, two quarters. Um, and, and if you somehow can wait that long, that would be great. But it really sounds like you should start. I like that, you know, like, giving them the courage to start without you is, uh, is definitely that, it, strategic. It's like, it's like being a partner. It, yeah, totally. it's like being a partner already, being a conversation partner, you know? Yep, absolutely. Um, what else, you guys? Got any other tips? Yeah. Um, well, this is kind of related to, to yours, Chase, pushing it back on them. And I, and I'm talking about smaller requests for time when somebody wants you to be on a podcast or, you know, to contribute to something that's coming up. I'm just, uh, you know, realistic with people. I try to be truthful that I'm, I'm overbooked at the moment and I almost always am, but I also know that, you know, give it time and I'll have some availability. And, uh, if a podcast or something 
sort of seems like it's not the kind of opportunity that I'm going to drop everything to participate in, but it might have some promise, you know, because you never know. I, I have over, you know, the years interacted with people and you can sometimes recognize like somebody has some, some spunk, some, some spark and, uh, they look like they're going to be somebody someday. And you can kind of get that sense, but sometimes you need to want to see if they're willing to fight for it a little bit. So what I'll do is reply politely and, and just say politely and just say, uh, I'm overbooked at the moment, but this looks like an interesting project. And if you're interested in having me on, I might be able to do something in January or in February or whatever. So check yeah. back with me then. And that puts the ball back in their court. It makes them wait a little bit. And then it kind of puts them uh, in this space that they don't know they're in, but they're probably kind of competing with other people who I've also said the same thing to, uh, to see who's willing to actually come back and want it more than, than the other. So it's just kind of yeah. a, a filter that reduces the number of requests uh, it gets rid of the people who are like going to give up super easily and, uh, and still gives opportunities to people that I guess I just kind of let the universe decide or I let them decide whether or not it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I love that. I, That's good. Reminds me of, reminds me of Seth, Seth Godin. Like he was famous for, I don't know if he still does this, like responding to just about all the emails that he got. And, and, uh, the response was typically something like, Hey, I'm super swamped right now. But or and and maybe he'll answer one question from your email or or just leave it at that. Hey, I'm super swamped right now. Sorry, I don't have time to get back to your email. But thanks for writing. Right. Yeah. Just just the response was enough for people to just be like, I love Seth Godin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. No, it's super good. And and I think it's funny. I I should have looked this up too because that was one of the. Uh, it was a subconscious motivating. I, I am now remembering. I, I think it was a Tim Ferriss episode with Seth Godin where they talked a lot about this, or at least in a certain segment. Um, maybe I'll try and find that and put it in the show notes. Um, the only thing I wanted to kind of add to what you were saying, Corbett, too, is that um, you and, and it actually uh, brings brings back what you were mentioning, Chase, and having this kind of policy template of like the things that you say no to, and when somebody kind of asks you to be involved in something that you've kind of decided is not something you engage in anymore through the painful lessons of the past. Um, mm -hmm. You've got kind of like a boilerplate, which is, which is kind of like, so um, we don't, we don't do these things anymore. Um, so for example, we don't uh, review bags that don't meet these kinds of criteria. Um, I'm sorry. I have to uh, kind of let, let you know that um, without giving special attention, but I noticed that it didn't check these three boxes. I have plenty of other bags that do. Um, and for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> no, yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Totally. What is this? What is this? Don't be a donkey thing, Aiden. That's in the notes here. What, I'm very curious. <laughs> right, don't I'll be a donkey <laughs> allegory. So, so this is, this goes back to, um, so we did a good job of talking about, um, why we need to say no and the things that we need to say no to. And then also like the, the how to say no to these things. But this goes back to like what things to say no to, what things to say yes to. I, I have historically been, I've had so many interests. I've developed, you know, jack of all trade skills, just as far as the eye can see in every direction. Um, and I always want to do something else. I always want to specialize something else in college. This was like, how do I pick a major? You know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, and it created kind of like analysis paralysis or like I just couldn't make any decision because there were so many options. So the allegory is there's a donkey, right? This donkey, he's got some hay <laughs> to the left. <laughs> he got some water to the right. And he thinks to himself, Ooh, I'm a little bit hungry. Maybe I'll eat some hay. And he looks to the left and he says, Oh, but I'm also a little bit thirsty. Maybe I should drink some water. And he looks back to the right and he's like, but I am a little bit hungry. Maybe I should eat some hay. <laughs> And uh, this continues until the donkey dies from starvation and dehydration. <laughs> um, and, and the moral there is that the, the donkey could easily go over, get some hay, then go over and get some water, then go over if he was still hungry, get a little bit more hay. And, uh, and I think the takeaway for me is that there is time, probably enough to do everything you ever wanted to do, to run every experiment you ever wanted to experiment with. And... Uh, and not miss out on anything. So that FOMO is all based on this time scarcity thing. And we do need to protect our time. But if we're careful, 
we have a lot of life to live and a lot of time to experiment with all those things. So um, the only the only caveat is, you know, to when you're running these experiments, kind of keep these endpoints in mind with these projects. Try and try and engage upon projects that have clear endpoints so that you know when you're done testing it. But just pick one, do it, say yes to something, and then when it's done, say yes to something else. Um, try not to say yes to too many things at once, or try not to have too many opportunities in front of you that you could say yes to at once, because that might create that starvation, dehydration situation where you can't try anything. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. That's a great way to end, is this idea that you can you can do those little projects. You don't have to be in that analysis paralysis mode until you, you know, starve like this poor donkey. We all remember mm, the story. Poor it was don- poor in donkey. my home village. Yeah. Yeah. Poor donkey. <laughs> Aiden, you uh, somehow elevated the, the, di- I just wanted to, to congratulate Aiden on, um, I think earning the new dad joke crown for the fizzle show <laughs> and uh, for having elevated the dad joke to a dad allegory, which was uh-huh. just just a next level kind of move. Well, hey, hold I appreciate on, Corbett, that. Your Mexican fisherman allegory is is pretty dad ish too. You know, yeah, that's not I mine. We'll call it. We'll refer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you give it. You give it. You know what I mean? True. We'll probably refer to these years as the dovetail years. I like that. <laughs> the dovetail <laughs> years. The, the fishtail. <laughs> <laughs> fishtail uh, years um okay guys thank you for being here aiden corbett thank you guys this was amazing listen fizzlers out there if you want uh show notes to this episode this is episode 299 of the fizzle show okay so you can just go to fizzleshow.co slash 299 and you'll find all the links and sh- and things that we mention in here um and i hope that this conversation has been helpful for you any of you who are thinking about things that you need to say no to or maybe you should say yes you don't know it's like you're on the fence uh that is where so much of life is lived and i hope that this has been helpful for you to get to a little clarity and deciding what to do so you can actually choose maybe have a little bit of water maybe have a little bit of hay maybe take a little crap somewhere you know what i mean get a nap (laughs) that's important too check out see if see if the taco guy's out there so like uh hopefully it helps you make some decisions uh and and get moving because it's it's really in the walking that we that we learn this stuff that it that it it kind of comes through us and and we learn who we really are and and what it's really like to do this work so uh we are committed to your movement if you're interested uh check out fizzle.co slash try five it gives you five weeks for free of of fizzle all of our courses all of our weekly group coaching calls all of our uh, of our interviews with founders from other companies really valuable stuff and the community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit that's at fizzle.co slash try five all right y'all find care take care serve hard and dig in thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week on the fizzle show